Hey Bee Tribe and welcome to part two of our Varroa discussion. The week that was, we were hoping that we were going to be moving to management. However, we are not and we are continuing forward with the DPI in eradication. We sit down with Simon from Save the Bees and Steve Fuller to discuss the week that was part two. Hi everyone and welcome back to What's the Buzz? We can call this, I guess, part two um, from our very interesting discussion. So welcome back, Steve Fuller. Thank you so much for your time. And we've got Simon from Save the Bees. Hi, guys. A big welcome back to What's the Buzz? Now, the week that was, all right? Um, So I'm calling this kind of part two, then there'll probably be a part three. God knows what we're going to (laughs) continue because every day it seems something different. So I'm going to kind of start with you, Steve. Um, Just a little bit of an update. What's happened this last week? Let's update us all. Uh, Rightio. Well, I think we're up to 254 infected premises now. Um, We've had uh, national meetings on... um, feasibility and manage and uh, uh, financial uh, mm-hmm. which culminated on uh, Friday uh, with uh, a, a deadlocked situation so in other words um, we won't be going to management we are staying on the plan because when a decision can't be met or, or reached um, they'll stay on the plan as in place so at this point in time, we are staying on to eradication, and that's what DPI um, are stuck with. So, Steve, um, how many hives does that mean? Because that, I assume, means Kempsey's gone. Um, how many yep. hives in, in Kempsey are, are due to die as a response to um, that decision? Uh, that's, a, that's a good question, Simon, because they won't give me those figures because... Um, what people don't realise is if you have 10 hives or under an infected premise, and Kempsey's now somewhere up in the, up in the 30-something infected premises, that cluster, it's growing daily. Um, and anyway, so if you have 10 hives or less, they don't even euthanise those bees. They're hoping that the thripanol baiting will take care of those hives, which is completely against the APBMA uh, permit because the permit clearly states that the thriptonol is only for use in feral colonies, not managed colonies. So um, they can't give me an accurate figure, but I've been told that uh, um, they're going to be euthanizing the hives that are in the red zones uh, within the almonds, and that's about 4,700 hives. Mm, wow, that's just absolutely heartbreaking you know um because to be honest i really thought that moving forward we were going to go to management i really had hopes and i i could have almost said you know 80 percent. not that i'm a betting woman but i really thought so i I gotta tell you i was a little bit taken back by that so so son what are your thoughts on that um well my thoughts are they mustn't have any experts um giving them information um that's where I think this could be totally stuffed up. You know, you just need one expert on Varroa. Um, you know, they haven't even give us a, given us a clear answer on to how long Varroa's been here for. Um, but last week, you know, I think Steve said, you said there was a skeleton and it looked like it's been here for over 18 months. So yeah. that in enough 
you know, sort of proves that there's no way they can eradicate it now. And to think that, um, you know, that's probably the only start of it, the 4,700 hives. Because I yeah. noticed that um, someone also found Varroa um, in one of the Sydney suburbs through an alcohol wash. And yep. if you're finding Varroa in the alcohol wash, it, it must be pretty, um, pretty big case. Yeah, you, that, you're 100% right there, Simon, because, look, overseas, alcohol washes are only used as a, a method of determining how infested the hive is. Mm -hmm. Right. So what you do is you do an alcohol wash. If it has X amount of mites, you do this. If it has Y amount of y, uh, mites, you do that. And if it has Z amount of mites, you do this. And the alcohol wash is you're looking for a mite within 1% of 1%, which is a, like the figure is really, Ali, you just said you're not a betting woman. On no. those those figures, there's no way would you place a bet. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so just say that that one female has come into your hive and it only takes one mite yeah. and you're trying to find her in amongst 20,000 bees. Yeah, needle in a haystack. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, when you put this all into comparison, think of it this way, that you are not legally obliged to do another alcohol wash for 16 weeks. Mm. So she comes in, she's coming on today. Say the same day, we'll just put it into reality. Let's say I do my alcohol wash today. That mite comes into my beehive today. It now has 16 weeks to breed up. Yeah. So today, so tomorrow she can lay an egg, which is a male, and in 30 days' time she lays a female and so on and so on. So by the time we get to 16, they're already breeding, they're already re uh, expanding. Yeah, but because the hive is not overpopulated with roa mite, you're still looking for what DPI claim as low numbers. To me, anything over one mite is dangerous. Yeah, completely. Uh, it doesn't matter if you've got a hundred mites or one mite. That one mite is still a breeding, spreading female. Yeah. So when you put it in that reality. It's in 16 weeks you come along and you do another alcohol wash. Do you find it again? And is it another 16 weeks? But this is where the problem comes in. If I actually, and I know everyone's against strips because of the um, chemicals, but if it gives you a 90% or 97% accuracy, I would prefer to know that I've got mites so that I'm not spreading it than to be keep on going 16 weeks, 16 weeks, 16 weeks until it becomes a significant problem and, and finding it. Yeah. I, I yeah. think that's such an important point because um, the listeners might not know that and they might get a false sense of security by doing these alcohol washes. Well, I think we're yeah. all required around Australia to do them now um, at a certain amount of time. But a lot of people must be moving hives thinking they've done the proper amount of alcohol washes, but they could actually be infected and spreading. Uh, yeah, yeah, Simon, like, I, I, I sort of, well, I'm, I'm just going to use, pinch another TV commercial or radio commercial at the moment. Breast cancer. 
breast cancer doesn't have to be in the family to be what's the same. And, and usually by the time it's detected or bowel cancer, sometimes it's too late because we have this attitude of, oh, it won't happen to me. Now, that's exactly right. I've only got one hive. Oh, yeah, I, I've looked after it. It's breeding well. It's, it's populous. It's doing this. So it's got honey company. My hives won't have rower. Now, really, until we have viruses, it, it takes 12 months. You will not know that you've got varroa for 12 months without the viruses. It's the viruses that are the problems. Yeah. Yeah. So this is where, yeah, this is where the false, false sense of security comes in. Yeah, well, that's exactly right. And it comes also down to management because let's be honest, I have heard of a lot of people who have gotten into beekeeping and they don't, you know, they mismanage, they don't maintain their hives. So, you know, we were talking last week on this pod about varroa bombs, I think you were calling them, Steve. And um, how many varroa bombs are out there and how many mismanaged hives? Well, well, you're right, Ali, like, I call it puppy, uh, a puppy problem, a puppy syndrome, actually, because think of it this way. When everyone gets a puppy, everyone's there playing with a puppy. Rah, rah, rah. Here's puppy. Puppy ends up getting a bit higher and people back off. And then puppy becomes a dog and the dog sits in the backyard without anyone ever throwing the ball for it anymore. Yeah. Now, a beehive, they, they, they get their first beehive and everyone's out there every day looking at it and all that. Now, Usually that beehive's got a bread queen. She's nice and quiet and all that. And in 12 months' time, say she replaces herself and she becomes a little bit angrier. And then in another 12 months, she's replaced or she supersedes again. And depending on what drone she's made it with, this queen could get crankier offspring every time she gets down the chain Mm -hmm. to, to the point that either, A, you've got a queen that is that cranky no one can get nearer or the people just couldn't be bothered with it anymore and you've got this hive sitting down the backyard that's just building up building up and waiting to explode yeah so the mismanagement is right going back to the start of this incursion um, you may have heard uh, reports that they sent people surveillance teams in with rubber hammers and and, um, uh, crowbars Mm-hmm. because a lot of these hives have not been inspected for years. Yeah, yeah. Right Now, what, what some, and I'm not saying all, and I'm not pointing the finger, but a recreational beekeeper may open the top of the hive, take a frame out as they require it. That's all they want. They just want one frame of honey, and that might last a month. They never have to go to the brood chamber, even though, they are required by law to do two inspections a year in New South Wales. Mm-hmm. But if it's going okay, why why disturb something that's going fine? Yeah. So they open the top, they take their, their frame of honey out, they put a sticky back in or whatever they put back in, and then another month they want another one, and this goes on year after year after year. That just shocks me because I get into my brood box with staff and that's our form of regenerative beekeeping um every inspection we go through every single frame 
with a fine tooth comb. And that's who we are because we check over our girls for pests and diseases. And that also, you know, it comes back to when Steph got AFB. Um, and it's something that, you know, she strongly advocates against is just check your girls, check your girls. So that just astounds me that even that law to just check the brood box yep. twice a year, that just really astounds me. But, but Ali, isn't that like, okay, this to me, and I, I, I compared that to a puppy there before. Yeah. So we talk to the puppy again. We have the puppy. We take it to training. And now we go shake hands and the puppy lifts its leg mm-hmm. or roll over. You know what I mean? Yeah. Isn't, what you just said to me, isn't that beekeeping? Yeah. That's... that's the fun of it, getting in there and having a look at the brood nest, getting in there and having a look at that lovely queen laying. Oh, look at the brood. Look at it expanding. Look at it shrinking. Look at it doing this. Yeah. That's beekeeping. Exactly. I love watching little babies get born and, you know, yeah. eating in the drones. And I, you know, we do lives like Steph and I do lives and we, you know, show people what it is in the brood box. I get really excited when we spot the queen and show them the queen and, you know, yep. the difference between, you know, your drones and your workers. And yep. but yeah, I, it, it's, you know, it, and it just, you're right. It's, it's a great analogy. The puppy. Yeah. That, fabulous analogy i've never thought of it like that yeah. so wow well yeah and and also like if i take a bunch of seeds and i throw them in the garden some will grow but does that call me a gardener <laughs> it calls me a gardener <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> that was a bad analogy for me to use because we still need our bees that they keep eradicating yeah. to pollinate our gardens but but you know, like what I'm getting at is that anyone can have a box of bees. Yeah. But yep. to maintain those bees correctly, you are a beekeeper. Correctly. Yeah, correct. That's it. You are the right. keeper of the bees. That's right. And this is a, this is a game. Like you, you don't go and buy an, a beautiful bread queen just to watch a fly out the door in a couple of months because you've got ratty frames or she's got nowhere to lay or something like this. Mm. And that'd be yeah. no different than, yeah, having yeah. a, yeah, having a garden on the side of the hill and washing all your fertilizer down the down the um, down the bottom, mm. you know, sort yeah. of thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's just a giant disappointment. <laughs> I'm like, that's 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 all I really want to say about that because you yeah. know I really believe more people are becoming aware. So we did a couple of education sessions this week, myself and Steph. And sorry, um, I forgot to mention everyone, Steph isn't well. So that's why uh, my girl hasn't joined us, but she'll be definitely on um, with our next big interview guest, which I'm going to lead into in a second. Um, But, you know, I was really disappointed that they're not going to be um, moving to management. Now, um, on that, we, myself and Steph, will be having um, Danny on I guess date and time still be to be confirmed. Um, and it was really kind of started with you, Simon. Um, and we, we asked him to come on board. Now, um, he has kindly denied talking to you both, but he kindly. What actually happened? I, I, I did yeah. write an article, um, about double standards, um, that a lot of us are concerned about, you know, there's, um, so many people locked up in the red zones. There's so many people have had their hives killed. And then um, we've had this event at the Almonds 
where varroa's been found and a lot of the commercial beekeepers have been allowed to move their hives on potentially spreading the mite around you know and so we're all terribly sort of upset at that double standard and um i alluded to that in an article i probably mm -hmm. i went in, uh, i've been received a bit of information and actually um i allege i oh, like there's been allegements made that um someone working at arbic um had will have been getting special information from arbic allowing them to move their hives earlier than other people and um i think danny was offended i think you know you might say that um that i you know published those allegations and um now he'll be refusing to talk to me um even though i did take down he i think they wrote on save the bees page if you take the article down we'll you know, i'll do an interview with you and yeah. um and but he's since written to you that he won't and i don't know why he doesn't like you steve oh well you know um when, when you play in a, a big um, big playground, then you've got to play with the big kids. You can't play in the sandpit all your life. <laughs> um, well, I've, I've got a feeling that you might know some stuff that he, he he won't be able to answer and doesn't want to answer. And um, um, Gee whiz, Simon, the truth hurts there. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, like, it, it, he should be open. Like, he's... Like they, they sort of claim on their website, Arbic, that they represent all beekeepers, including the 46,000 yep. beekeepers. And um, I was speaking to a guy in a Victorian beekeeping club recently, and he was saying how the eminent beekeepers in Victoria, um, a part of their funding goes to Arbic. Uh, but they, he said, well, are we members then? And he, he reckons Arbic refused to call their club's members so that's one question for you elephant yeah uh, yeah so what, what they do there simon i can sort of mm. briefly answer that is um yeah if you send money they, they class you as a friend of arbic mm. right but um you can't become a member of arbic you only become a member either as a national body like crop pollination or new south wales aa or the amateur beekeeping association of australia so if those amateurs channel their money through the um, head head body or the national body, they should be able to channel questions through that way as well. But it's yeah. Anyway, it's just yeah. Well, any like even if we had some questions, even if well, one it doesn't seem like we're going to be able to get them all answered. But um, it seems like that Arbic are just going to do what they want anyway and um and that that's why yeah we're particularly upset at the moment because i thought that if there was ever going to be a time that arbic would stand up for beekeepers it would be this week um because obviously the mites spread to what did you say 254 cases across, yeah across new south wales it, we all know it should be management now but uh, Arbic are going to, you know, give a golden handshake and allow, you know, another ten thousand hives to be killed. Yeah, well, let's let's see what they come back with. Um, yeah. The other thing that was interesting that you said earlier, well, we were talking about last week, 
Steve, was that the almond industry sort of backed away and and we're going to withdraw funding. Was yeah, that... well, that, that's commonly reported, and all of a sudden they've changed the tune. They've gone, nut. Nah, we're all still for eradication. So uh, a lot of beekeepers that I've spoken to lately, Simon, who were involved with um, almond pollination this year are really doubting whether they go back next year. Mm. Um, but also, are those red zones in the almonds, what happens to the bees that go in there next year? Good point. Yeah, you know, uh, it's like you're not allowed to take, if people can't take bees back into the Newcastle red zone, uh, why should they be allowed to do that in the almonds? Oh, well, we, we, we know there's different rules for the almonds. Like, yeah, I, I but, agree with you. I, I agree with you, but I, I just know that yeah. almonds are going to end up being able well, to do slap, what they want. And Oh, um, yeah, but it's a slap in the face for just because you have one in your backyard, you're not allowed to take it in. Mm. And yeah. it's also, it's like how many people around the country have been caught in purple zones in other you know, other areas, Kempsey, Taree, wherever you, Narrabri, the whole lot, um, Cutterbri, all those places, but they're not allowed to move out of the purple zone, whereas the ones that were at uh, Armands are allowed to move anywhere, and, and I'll explain something on that, anywhere within the blue zone of New South Wales. And, you know, into Queensland. <laughs> you well, know, I, yeah. And then well, if I know that we... Yeah. If there's spot fires, if if they start finding the mite in a few of these other area areas, then they're going to become dead zones. Fipronol poison. Anyone who's got hives there get get killed off. And um, it it sounds like it does sound like a conspiracy theory is happening in 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 real time. Well, yeah, I can agree with you there. But like, wouldn't you wouldn't you surveil something? Well, okay, I'm going to drive to Sydney tomorrow. Um, I drive to Sydney. I don't hop out in Sydney and then check the fuel in the car, do I? No. No, you check before you go. But as you said, they're, right. they're probably saying they're testing with these alcohol washers that don't even test. Um, I know they've started giving out the, the strips, and I hate chemicals, you know, as much as anyone. But I think that why haven't they been doing that all along? For migratory beekeepers. Well, I, I, I actually said this. Oh, I have to go back to about December, maybe a bit earlier, October or November. What I, what I tried to get done was um, just send, send out to anyone who wanted them, send them out, and then you send them back. It's the quickest way. But they said, oh, they don't want an overload of information. But the thing is, if they sent that out to a thousand beekeepers and some of them would have been in the Kempsey area. Some of them would have been everywhere else. So you had a good select um, group and if it come back and showed up, we could have been onto these ages ago. We wouldn't have these spot fires or, or landmines popping up now. Or they would have realised it was out of control. Or they would have realised it's out of control and instead of wasting money on like instead of throwing good money after bad money, like they're doing now, we could have been diverting that money into education, support, and continuity of, of everyone's livelihood of bees. Exactly. And also on top of the money, we're talking again where we've touched on the emotional and physical aspect of them losing their girl. Oh, 
look, look, Ali, I, I, I totally agree with you on that because there's no amount of money will ever, well, will ever really relieve someone's emotional anxiety, stress, or anything that this creates. Even if they come out tomorrow and gives you this limitless, bottomless pit, it it might sound good. It's the old adage, money doesn't buy happiness. If you're happy sitting in the backyard playing with your one beehive or being out in the bush being stung to pieces by 100 beehives, <laughs> no yeah. amount of money is going to replace that. No, and it's no amount of money is going to take away that horrible experience and the noise that the bees make when they're being euthanized. Right. You know? That's right. It's um, it's that traumatic memory that they have created for these people, and you know it's hor- it's it's just wrong. And then, what if they do move to management? The one that keeps crossing my mind, and the question is. What about, you know, they're going, like, they're going to put, a, you know, this many hives down with the euthanization process and then the following week do they call it and say we're going to do management? So what happens to those, the effects of the people where they've just gone and euthanized them last week? It's just, it just feels like they are changing the rules every single day. That's my opinion and well, it's yeah. frustrating. Yeah, you well, think uh, they could uh, go on a holding pattern and just say, all right, we're, you know, we're undecided, let's just, end the fipronol baiting for a while, let's end um, the killing this week and, you know, get one of these experts from overseas or something to explain to them there's no way of achieving eradication now. Well, uh, I, well, okay, I totally agree with everything you have just said, but why do we need overseas when we've got very, very intelligent people here to give us the same opinion, right? Mm-hmm. Um Oh, what was his name? Dennis Anderson is a Varroa um, expert. He he actually identified Varroa destructor. Wow. Uh, before that, we we uh, he's an Australian scientist, and he um, before that we thought we only ever had Varroa Jacobsoni in the world, and we now have there's actually six species of Varroa. Um, anyway, so but he is an Australian scientist. Um, we, our our bee experts, our, our technical officers, are some of the best educated in the world. They're, they are from overseas and within Australia, but we've got them. But, Simon, I, I, I'm going to say this to you. Like, I know we go back now well over 12 months, and when the first hive was euthanized, uh, I think, think that was in July, if I remember correctly, because it took us a couple of weeks to get everything organised, um, except for the sentinel hives, which were euthanized straight away. Um, these people, even though it's 12 months ago, we had to give it a red-hot crack, which we've done, right? Okay, we, we understand that. But once we found that it's out of control or it's in the feral hives, I think the whole thing should have been reassessed and, and re-looked at. Now, my hives personally were done in July. Uh, sorry, no, they weren't done in July. They were done in September, late August, September of last year. Um, I now look at the 12 weeks I spent in the forward, com- uh, sorry, in the, the control commands and all that, the hours I put there, Um mates, friends and acquaintances who come down and volunteered 
to go around and surveil and help and get this all under control. All these people who have lost all their hives and all this, from everyone from large businesses right down to the single backyarder, it doesn't matter if they call it to management tomorrow, they are still going to feel like used, wasted. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's the sad part. It doesn't, it, it'll hurt a lot more if your hives are euthanized today and they call it tomorrow. Yeah. But you know, there, there's thousands of man hours gone into this. There's um, people have been like, well, last, uh, not last year, when, when the red zone went up at, um, uh, Tari, and they had the wrong address. All those people that went through the anxiety think they were going to lose their bees, and then all of a sudden, DPI said, oh, I've got the wrong address, don't worry about it. Well, there's still people there going, oh, I'm still dreading the day that they come and knock on the door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But apparently, they've done the same out of Cutterbury now. They had the wrong address and they have had to move it. Well, um, I've had feedback from uh, anonymous people that um, it's a shit show. And even if they are in the zones, they just say, oh, we'll be in touch. And then they're not in touch. And they just said it's just nothing but a traumatic shit show. And then there's other things where people have come back and they said to me, I want to talk out, but I can't talk out because I've been told if I do, um, there's threatening and there's bullying and I won't get my compensation and I'm scared. And this doesn't sound like, and this is something, and I'm sure Danny is listening or anybody who's listening, this doesn't sound like a, you know, a volunteer program that is protecting beekeepers. And it's very disturbing and it's very upsetting and where's, where's the support? And someone actually said to me today, um, we need a union. Where's the union? There's a union in every other industry. And who's who? Who is? And, and that's what I was about? getting at with um, becoming a member of Harbic, because you, as um, Steve said, we're a friend. And yeah, I, I know we're we're talking and brainstorming here. I've sort of been trying to get on to a few other popular figures in the beekeeping world, and I think as you know, honey producers and recreational beekeepers should really be aligning here. And and setting something up, and yeah. um and because, like quite frankly, Arpic aren't looking after us, the DPI aren't looking after us, and that is um that, that the proof of yeah. that is 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 these double standards that are happening through the almond industry. Well, that, well that, that, yeah, you're right. And look, I I encourage everyone to join their local associations. Hundred mm. uh, percent. You know, now okay, your money goes to Arbic, you know. Yeah, yeah, and then we, we go to Arbic. So I'm president of the Crop Pollination Association. So um, anyone who does anything with pollination should really become a member of the of the crop pollination. Um, you see, then you've got New South Wales Apris, you've got Queensland Beekeeping Association, you've got the Victorian Apris Association, and so on and so on around the country. Every state has their association. Then you have the amateur, um, which has branches just about every um, second town, which is great because that's what those those people enjoy doing. Um, but you also have the North Shore beekeepers. Um, these are all associations because 
there was an old saying that what was it, united we stand, divided we fall. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when, when, okay, if I rock into a meeting with a minister and I rock in and say, oh, yeah, I'm here um, because I'm having problems, I'm one person. He goes, oh, see you later. But if I rock in and I say, I've got X amount of members with X amount of hives, that, that means a lot. So, yeah. you know, they take notice because although, uh, uh, you know, on some of the positions I've held, you know, three or 400 members, those members might, um, or some small towns would absolutely collapse if some of the beekeepers weren't there anymore. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, joining an association um, or a union like that, and then we all come under the umbrella of Arby, who is our national body. They don't control the state. They are the national. They deal with the federal government, uh, policies for overseas and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's just, you know, I, I am a member of various associations. Yeah. And it's just a lot of the time they just kind of update with what Arbic have said. And I feel that there's just a general consensus of fear um, that everyone oh, yeah. had. And, but at the same time, it's the little chit chats after, you know, having a tip of a tea break or, you know, um, yep. that people are like, I want to talk up, but you know, I, I just don't know. And um, it's, but now there is more movement. There is more momentum. There is, yep people are talking and even today I've had people approach me and say I never knew what was going on until you know the news has been on or you know can you can you give me some more information like this is this is scary stuff how have we not known about this and I'm like well it's been around for the last year but now people are starting to get angry and they're starting to find their voice and um yeah it's Uh, but Alison why is that you know, like you look back twelve months ago, and we were getting, we were being communicated to. We were being told what was happening. We were being, we weren't being mushrooms anymore. No, I think right they were now, wanting to be dishonest. So they, they didn't want to come out. I think everyone's been shocked that um, these infected hives have made their way to the almonds. Like oh, exactly, Simon. I totally agree with you. And if they they were upfront about doing that there would have been an uproar before they they could do it and yeah. so well, i think that's why they became secretive well this is it but the thing is like okay i i put a post up on my page today and i said that that like the four points that every all all members and people are saying to me the biggest one ever since the start of this incursion is communication when people know what's going on, it's easier to make an informed decision, right? So first off, the lack of communication has been absolutely woeful. Direction. We keep on hearing the goalpost has changed. So if I'm running down the field and think, oh, gee whiz, I've only got 100 metres left to go, and next minute someone picks up the finish line and moves at another two kilometres, I end up giving up. Yeah, well, it's those trigger points. They're, they're, it's the trigger points, exactly. They've just kept on extending these trigger points. And, yeah. Um, and, yeah. yeah, like you'd have an idea what they all were. Um, oh, well, well, I, yeah, I can name them because it was, if it hits the Sydney Basin, that's a trigger point. 
Well, I think it's been in the Sydney Basin now seven times it's been extended in the Sydney Basin. Mm-hmm. Um, if we find it in the Blue Zone, uh, what, hold on, we've had Taree, now we've got Kempsey, then we've got Cutterbry, um, you know, um, we've got Summerton, we've got Summerton again. There's five instances without going on to Gumble and the Armands. There's another five incidences. And they, yeah. they say lack of compliance is also another one and like and like but on top of that compliance doesn't even work if you're doing the alcohol washes and as we've heard they're only exactly three percent so there is no compliance so well compliance is only as big as the stick that's being wielded yeah yeah like if someone's not doing it like okay to to show that example is that we all have a compliance of having to submit honey samples every year, right? Out of 1,200 or almost 2,000 commercial beekeepers, only 250 honey samples were supplied last year. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, you know, like these are the figures. Like this is, this is the reality, guys. Like it, it's if we were to have been successful with this, everyone, and I'm not saying just one, everyone had to play their part and they had to play it properly. Well, yeah. even if they did, I don't think it would have worked. As we've I totally chatted agree. about the feral hives and, and uh, yeah. that it's been here longer than what we've been told and all that type of stuff. But we would have had a lot better chance than the goalposts changing and the rules changing for this one to that one to here and all that. Well, that's where yeah. I, I think surely... They're in the know, the head people at the DPI and the head people at Arbic. And it, it, it scares me that some may be benefiting out of this um, yeah. and looking looking at who is. And at this stage, is it the really massive beekeepers um, in the future? And there is someone I've pointed me towards um, a, a group that have got massive ambitions um, called Duxton and they're international investors. They aim on having more hives and, you know, something remarkable like 400,000 hives. I think that's their aspiration. And um, a lot of, they've been buying out a lot of big beekeepers in Australia. Is that right, Steve? Yeah, look, they they have been buying out, but the biggest problem is resources here in Australia. That's the whole thing. Resources. We are so limited on where you could actually put bees. Now, um, when they don't have uh, when when they don't have forest or or private land to put these bees, are they going to buy land? And are we going to have like feedlots for bees before they go to pollination? Or or are they going to just sweetly move in to where all these other businesses have been knocked out? Well, they they can't move in. Well, yeah, if they buy those businesses out or the, the, the sites out, they could possibly do that. I, I totally agree with what you're saying. And then someone told me that there's people at Arbic that have sold their businesses to Duxton. Now, I don't know. They, 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 right. they, I, haven't, I haven't heard that. Yeah. 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 So I, I, can, I can say that the people I know that have sold the Duxton are definitely not involved with Arbic. All right. All right, so that's, yeah. But but as I said, like at the end of the day, if all these um, 
problems keep happening, like as we're saying, like it's it's hard enough now to get into beekeeping. Yeah. But when you come in with an unlimited source, as we've seen a lot of uh, uh, what they call the um, uh, superannuation funds go into wood chip and all these uh, high risk ventures, uh, when you've got those deep pockets that don't sort of end, then mm. you could possibly throw millions of dollars. But if someone come along with 400,000 hives, the amount of land Simon that you need, like it, it, they'd be better off feeding them sugar. Now, if they're going to feed them sugar all year round, uh, aren't they very, very likely to contaminate the honey? Like, they can't sell the honey because all the honey is tested for C3s and C4s and so on like that. Um, but they've got to then add those costs onto their pollination. So, you know, like I'm going to use myself for an example again, but if someone come along and ask me, and I'll give you a typical, a typical week for me at, at this point in time, um, I work roughly 18 to 20 hours every day, seven days a week. Now, um, people go, rightio, that's impossible. No, I have to because of what I do. Um, I do a lot of pollination. Um, I, um, I really, um, I'm infatuated by, my, by bees. I, I read a lot. I'm involved in a lot of industry stuff. That means I drive a lot. So all these costs have got to be added on, um, but... If someone said to me, okay, even if I worked, let's say I worked 12 hours a day, seven days a week, what price am I going to put on it? Yeah, like this is the thing. Now, when you're working for a conglomerate, are they going to come along and offer me um, what? what's my expertise yeah. uh, worth? Like, you know, what am I worth? $100 an hour? $200 an hour? Yeah, I don't know. Um, have they got that? So once we start multiplying that out at 12, there's, uh, uh, what, 84 hours a week at $100 an hour? What, $8,000 a week they want to pay me? Mm. Yeah, I can see that, that issue. The, the, the thing that I'm concerned about with, you know, the really large, you know, the, the way the almond industry works or how duck yep. could work, it's just a lobbying power to government. Um, oh, oh, no, no, I agree. Like, mm. yeah, no, I understand where you're coming from. Mm. But also have a look at Convit over in... Over in um, Convita. Convita, yeah, over in um, New Zealand. They're going backwards. Yeah. So who, who if to, for me um, yep. and for our listeners, who, who are they? Uh, they're a honey company um, that sell a lot in Asia, Um and you'd see them even in the chemists here, I guess. They probably yeah. sell a lot in America too, but they're yeah. they're mainly into manuka honey. And um, they, I think you you'd know more than me, Steve. But I think they have a few, or at one stage had over a hundred thousand hives in New Zealand. Yeah, no, just a big conglomerate that that um, thought that they'd take over manuka honey in New Zealand, and it went well for a little while. But you know, now it's to the point that. Yeah, they're not doing as good as they think. Um, I can also name that 
alpacas here in Australia are doing exactly the same. It's it's a different dynamics here in Australia. But when you go to America and have a look at someone who's running 15,000 or 20,000 or even 100,000 beehives, they have a, um, a labor body there from usually from uh, Mexico. And like, it's quite strange how they can get people to work. Like trying to get people to work in beekeeping industries today is really, really hard. So unless these conglomerates are going to offer these big, big, big dollars. Well, no, well, they'll just you, you get those. Is that the 462 visas or what are they? Yeah. Four, six, well, if they, oh, I totally agree. That's the only way they're going to do it, Simon. And um, yeah, and that's that's what happens. And this is where I think it's once incredibly again, they, sad. You, we've got people yeah. like you. You know them all because you were the head of the New South Wales Apress Association. But there's yeah. what? How many hundreds of family businesses, or or a couple of exactly. employees with a couple of hundred hives, and they're looking after them well, producing, you know, the top honey, the the best honey in the world, basically. Yep. Um, they're not getting listened to. They're in fact the opposite's happening to them, where they're getting rubbed out, barely compensated. Um, and and you might be able to speak a little bit about what you think of the compensation because I've got people writing to me now saying, "Oh, originally we thought it was okay, but now we're realising, but our, our whole business is gone now. You know, we're not getting paid for future income. We, we can well, barely no, got enough right. money to start again." Yeah, yeah. So, so exactly what you're talking about, like uh, a farmer who, let's say a dairy farmer, right? Um, his dairy cow, something happens, gets foot and mouth, they kill the dairy cow, right? Well, they might give X amount of dollars that she's worth, but what she could have made for that dairy farmer, he doesn't get. And this is exactly what's happened to the beekeepers. So, okay. They're giving them what the box is worth and the box of bees. But what that box of bees could have actually earned them is the name of the game. That's like, we don't build hives up just to kill in a pollination situation or trying to get us honey. We have them there as an investment to, we try and keep that hive going year in, year out. So it's not costing us more money, more money, more money. Yeah. So, you know, like that's that sort of, end of the scenario um yeah i totally agree but on the other hand uh how many people got wiped out in the floods how many people got wiped out in the bushfires the government come and help them well there is there is there is grants available out there there is there's loans available too but my main concern simon is that they they're they're wasting their energy killing highs when they can't beat this. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want people I want people to have their backyard high because then they'll realize how hard it is to, to produce a kilo of honey. It's not, <laughs> it's no, it's yeah. not easy. And we spoke about this last week. And I think that's why we are having the problem because beekeeping is not easy it's not turn on a tap and you get honey it is nothing like that it's hard work early mornings like i was up at 3 30 this morning and look at you how many hours have you done today simon yep. steve you know um for me and you touched on it before steve 
you're infatuated with the love of bees and that's what I think we all have in common is that yeah. we as a beekeeper call us quirky call us weird but maybe we're all you know we just love <laughs> wrong with bees. <laughs> yeah baby I don't know like you know there's I don't know but um but we yeah. found our people and the people who listen to us get it because we love bees and we want to do everything we can. So this is, you know, as we said at the start and I'll own it. Yeah. We had to give it a red hot shot. We had to yep. give it a go. And, um, but now it's the, the constant rule changing, the constant back and forth. This, it needs to stop. And that's right. Exactly. hundred percent. Good on you. Yeah. Yeah. And, so and <sighs> like, like, and you'll know this, Stephen, and we're definitely worse off than we were to begin with now, aren't we? Um, that that would have to be acknowledged. And then oh, at, at the start, what did they do? They said the way Viral gets moved is through, you know, hive movements. So there was a full, you know, um, standstill. Um, every, every incursion, Simon, every incursion, especially within the bee industry, has been spread through movement. Mm. And and like there was nothing. Um, I believe you went to a, a meeting today, but there was nothing about having a standstill. Now, was there? Was that no. mentioned? No, no, no standstill. So, like that, that that's that. In enough is to say that there's it's not going to work. And um, and yeah, I don't know what but what people can do. And um, I think. Um, I've heard through the traps, and we spoke about this last week. That there's marriage, um, marriage breakdowns. There's, um, you know, people, people are worried about suicide. Watch. Yeah. yeah, people don't know what to do with their finances. I noticed yeah. another commercial beekeeper um, just put up today end eradication now um, uh, as a post, and and that's getting spread around a lot. Um, yeah. 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 Uh, it's it needs to stop and the other thing that needs to stop um and you said it yourself steve is you know blame well not blame but you know don't point your fingers at the ones who are following the laws blame yeah. the ones who are making the laws and so you know there's there's some big commercial guys out there who have done nothing wrong and they're receiving death threats that needs to stop they they don't deserve that okay and that's something i really want to stick up for so um the people who have moved their hives they were allowed to so yeah. we shouldn't be targeting them and it's not they did the right thing they did the right thing you know they were told they could move well they so. did their legal thing um yeah. but yeah like you know yeah, it's very sad that um, to see people tearing each other down and well, um, yeah. and but but the riff. but why though, guys? Why? Yeah. Because yeah. once again, it comes back. We've got no direction. We've got no communication. We've got. There's your answer. Yeah, so, like I, you know more about who's on Arabic and how it works. Um. Mm. I, is there a communications officer that's been employed or, or something? I don't... Well, yeah, since the Varroa, um, they have a Varroa um, uh, liaison officer, mm -hmm. right? And uh, um, what's the name? That's her job. So she's to get communications out and, and so on like that. Like, it, it's... And um, Bianca, like I, yeah, I, 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 that's someone I said. I said, 
Bianca, would you mind going on the podcast as well? And um, if Danny, if Danny won't talk to us, maybe Bianca will. Yeah, well, B- Bianca. Just remember been... Simon; he kindly declined. <laughs> yeah, 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 but like, yeah, Bianca's been through. They lost all their bees. Yes. Um, they were one of the early. Her and her husband. They, they've lost all their bees. Um, so they know from the inside what it's like, and and even herself, like you know, uh, her position because, you know, you know, what what a lot of people don't understand sometimes in these positions, where we're bound by um, uh, confidentiality, mm. um, and you know, and all this, and and government really love to gag you and say, oh, you can't say anything until we do. And you're sitting there going, okay, when can I say it? When can I say it? And then by the time you're allowed to say it, it's not worth saying it anyway. Mm. Right? And this is, that's another bad thing. But look, I, I would definitely uh, approach her and see. Um, she is the um, her pr- correct, um, correct title is Varroa Coordination Officer. Yep. Mm. All right. So it wouldn't hurt. Um, I don't know. Steve Taggart is the uh, the chair of Arbic, mm-hmm. you know things like that. Um, possibly even getting someone from the Amateur Association to talk. Yeah, I think it's just people are starting. They really want answers now. People well, are. We're, we're frustrated. We're, we're angry. We're, we're frustrated. Frustrated. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and- well, there is a Senate, a closed Senate session happening. Um, this Wednesday, I, I don't know. Yeah, if I, I, I was supposed to. Um, I think you'll get an email. I got an email yeah. um, that um, I, I get to say my bit there, um, and yeah. so you know, it's yeah. Thank, it, I'm sure you will too, Steve. I think they were looking at the people who would put submissions in um, mm. to to do the you know to catch up with it all. And I think our submissions were quite similar in the fact that we just really can't risk it getting to the to the almonds. But maybe that will get us a bit closer to management but, um, talking yeah. to a few of the senators. But just before we go on, guys, we, we we've we keep on hearing almonds and almonds and almonds, right? I know that. Okay, I, and it's not because they're in my backyard. But we did not have enough bees to do the blueberries and blackberries and raspberry pollination this year. And we're already seeing the prices go up a little bit. Yes, we are. Now, down south, what you just said, Alison, about being respectful of beekeepers who are allowed, um, beekeepers have moved on to cherries and being, why are you bringing those bees here? They're being abused because of where they've come from. Mm. Uh, Melon pollination, apple pollination, all this is going on at this point in time. But people keep on, we keep on hearing this almond, almond, almond. And I'm sad to say, but I don't think we've seen it yet. And we're only just starting to see the effects of Roa now and it's 12 months on. So what's going to be like in 12 months, our food prices? Oh, yeah, well, you know, if it's anything like the lettuce saga we had at the start of this year, I think we're in for a great point. Well, but the like out there, and I'm sure um, Alison has you, you've heard all of this um, in in comments. Is there's a 
a, a sort of theory out there or a conspiracy theory out there that they're trying to stop people from being able to feed themselves and they're trying to create food shortages so we have to rely on the government more. And yes. this policy that they've got with killing bees while spreading the mite, that, that that's yeah. going to happen. So there's going to be a food shortage. Food's going to get more expensive. And particularly for people between, at this stage, um, Newcastle and Sydney, they won't have the pollination if they do want to grow their own food. Yeah, that's, and that's exactly what I'm saying, though. Like, you know, Simon, like, you might have only had a couple of plants here and there, but it might have saved you $100 here and $100 there. Mm. If that all adds on to a person's already borderline budget, it makes a big difference, doesn't it? Yeah, well, really? there's some, like, you talk about, the, you know, um, vast harvest permaculture and um, yeah. it, it, th those guys grow so much food, they've, they're able to feed a lot of the community for free. And, yeah. um, and they're not allowed to have bees. That's right. Um, so, yeah, when, when your mind thinks about the potential that we could do if, if we did have that, those setups like permaculture setups and, you know, food could be just so much more healthier and cheaper. And, yeah. Um, but, but... It might have a black spot here and a black spot there and a bruise here. It's all beautiful food. It's it's self-grown. It's yeah, yeah. Well, this is you know something that I'll touch on when I used to work mm. in my dental, you know, past dental career, and that's we noticed that you know people in the lower socioeconomic areas couldn't afford your fresh fruits and vegetables, but they could go to McDonald's or your you know your fast food chains because they had the lower prices. You know, they've got the loose change menu, and yep. you know people go that quick fast oh you know there's a bit of lettuce in that that's okay and that's when we were seeing you know high rates of decay etc cetera, etc cetera. is that's what's good like but that all of that's going to go up too everything is going to go up because with the mass destruction and euthanization of hives we're not going to have the fresh fruit we're not going to have you know it, it, it's it's really and we've mentioned you know um how people and their budget but it's also the pride of growing those fruits and veggies as well you know like it's the totally. pride and, and um you know I another person I had um reach out to me said that um with all the mass destruction of hives they're having to self-pollinate their own plants because they've yep. just yeah they've just watched them go from flourishing and growing and beautiful and the pride to nothing and that yeah. in themselves they you know that that's just distressing in itself so yeah Oh, it's just something that, you um, know. Well, it's it's great to have you two to talk to this, you know, about. And uh, I think we're galvanising quite a few people to be a bit louder about this issue. Um, in, in the mainstream, there's a lot of people who have no idea at all that I, you know, associate with. Um, yeah. But I think it's talking to you during the week, Steve, when we both thought that this was going to be, the day that it went into management, um, yeah. we, we've really got to fight this now, don't we? Well, yeah. Well, yeah. And look, um, what we need now is people to actually, uh, there's no use, like keeping it in the media is one thing. That is fine, right? But we need now people to actually start championing their, their local members, you know what I mean? Step it up to that and, and sort of go, well, okay, this is where we're at. 
um, join together, get 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 um, you know petitions together, and get them to your local members so we can get the politicians to represent the constituents. You know, like this is the whole thing. Like you can stand on your soapbox in the corner, you're one little person, but when you when there's a lot of us all saying the same thing to the same person, they start taking notice. Exactly. Well, we do exactly. have one petition with, um, I think it's up to 35,000 that has already been tabled in Parliament. Um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, we're just, we're just got to, you know, anyone can sign that. At, at, and that's uh, on Save the Bees Australia? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So... Well, what we might do is wrap this up because, you know, we've yeah. got obviously another big week ahead of us. Um, and I, you know, as I said, to be arranged, date to be arranged. Um, but Danny has agreed. So I will be um, doing that and I'll keep everyone up to date um, for transparency. We have already sent him a list of questions um, because, you know, we want to be open and honest. And, that, and um, a lot of those questions came from people in the community um so thank you everyone yeah. who put forward questions yeah and if there is still anything um to any of our listeners uh you can still pop a question up in the q a under the spotify uh, link as well and i can as long as you get that to me um before friday because that's the time that we're hoping to organize uh this interview that would be great so that i can send that to him um but again we thank everyone who has listened thank you so much simon thank you so much steve for your time um i'm sure there will be probably part three in part four sadly i wish it wasn't the case but it's something that you know we will continue to do but everybody who is listening um go to your local government go to your local government body your local member um sign that petition uh with simon at save the bees follow simon from save the bees um you know he's constantly updating and um i promise my promise to everybody is I will continue getting up on my soapbox <laughs> um, um, and I will keep screaming save the bees because um, yep. one voice, you know, we, we will be many. And um, for everyone who has lost their hives and uh, listening, um, we are just, you know, we fight for you guys and we fight for you yep. girls. We really, really but, do. Yeah. And Alison, I, I can say like, well, um, as, well, I, I am very busy, but look, I'm um, Crop Pollination Association um, <laughs> Facebook. Yeah. Right. So if people want to jump on there, I put on there as much as possible as well. Perfect. Um, yeah. I'm also um, willing to answer questions or talk to anyone. I don't care who they are. Mm -hmm. um, I'll answer. If I don't know, I'll find out for them. Yeah. Um, and yeah, look, the biggest thing is, we can't, we cannot sit back now and let the eradication continue when it's pointless. When, yeah. when the, the costs or when the eradication now far outweighs the damage it's causing to industry. Correct. Right. And this is what we've got to stop. We've got to stop the euthanizing. We've got to stop everything. Surveillance, yes, go 100%. Surveillance, 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 but not euthanizing, not killing, and not turning around and um, 
causing more spread, more anxiety and so on. Exactly. Let's start to talk about education. That's what we need to move to. Well, thank you so much, everyone. And uh, we will certainly be in touch um, and keep an eye on all of our socials where we will keep you up to date. Thanks, guys.